This is Second Jonah, verses 1 through 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to Lord his God. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and listened, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, all your waves and breakers stepped over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head, to the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred in me forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, was sacrificed to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah on the dry land. This is Acts 3, verses 18 through 20. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying, this, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So how many of you remember the story of Jonah? Oh, come on. Do, 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 I, do I have to play it out for you here? Um, this morning as we continue to look at prayers from some of the faithful of the Old Testament, we're, we're zooming in on this one from Jonah. And perhaps it comes from the most unlikely places. How many of you have a special place that you like to retreat for prayer? Maybe a, a special room, uh, a special chair, uh, maybe a special outdoor setting. I think one of the last places I could think of would be in the belly of a fish. <laughs> But this is from where we find Jonah praying to God. So let's lay a little bit of groundwork so we're all on the same page, right? Uh, after all, God entrusted Jonah with the responsibility of, of preaching to the town of Nineveh. Uh, Nineveh had, they think, about 120,000 people. And so I was looking up, okay, what in Ohio would be a town of a similar population. And I came up with Dayton. So, so Nineveh would have been about the size of Dayton. And the book of Jonah, it, it's, it's a great story. Uh, Jonah is one of God's prophets. He's told to go and preach 
in the town of Nineveh. Tell them to repent or that God will destroy them. Jonah doesn't want to go. We're not really told why he rebelled against God's command, but Jonah was determined not to preach in Nineveh. Was was it the great number of people? Was it because of the place and and what was happening there? Again, we, we don't really know. What we do know is that Jonah decides to board a ship and to travel to a city way on the other side of what for him would have been in the civilized world, the city of Tarshish. Tarshish was about as far away as you could get from Nineveh and still be on the map. Jonah thinks that he can run and hide from God. But of course, God has other ideas. In the first chapter of Jonah, we find that a violent storm brews up. The the wind was so great that the ship that Jonah was on was threatened. I mean, it was was about to to break apart. And and from that story, I, I reflect on John Wesley when he came to America on the ship Simmons, um, a very similar situation, a storm brews up and, and, and the waves are just going over top the ship and, and John Wesley thought he was going to drown. And that's what's happening to, to Jonah here. This storm is so fierce that the sailors, and, and think about this, I mean, you know, they would have been accustomed to this kind of weather brewing up, these, these harsh conditions. They were scared even. They began to make sacrifices to their gods. They started to throw cargo overboard in order to lighten the ship. And then, oh, wait a minute, we have this prophet on board. Maybe he could pray to his God and this could be taken care of. Well, Jonah, of course, realizes that this is all his fault. He believes this storm, has, God has brewed this storm up because he was disobedient. And so, so he tells the sailor, he says, you pick me up and throw me in to the sea and everything will calm down. It's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. And then this is where Jonah Praise from a most unique of prayer closets. The 17th verse in chapter 1 tells us that the Lord provided this great fish. Now, how many of you in Sunday school class learned that it was a whale? Yeah. A whale is a big fish, so I mean, I suppose that can work. But, but, but the, the literal translation was a big fish. So we don't know it was a whale, but it was a big fish. And it swallowed Jonah. And Jonah was inside that fish 
for three days and three nights. Inside the belly of this whale, Jonah repents and he prays for forgiveness. Yeah, no one ever said, you know, the Bible can be poetic, but then sometimes it just has to come straight out. It's like, okay, the whale has some stomach problems and <laughs> gives Jonah up, spits him out on the shore. Jonah washes himself off, and then he does proceed to go to Nineveh to preach the message that God had given him. And there the people repented. God spared the city. The National Day of Prayer observance this past Thursday. I mean, I don't know how Holmes County reflects other parts of the country as observances were held, but boy, folks, we need to repent and turn to God. Um, again, if, if the church was the church, then Skyview Ranch should have been filled with people praying. It was, it was a lot less. We'll just put it that way. Our nation needs prayers. Our leaders need prayer. The church needs prayer. And who's going to be doing that praying if it's not us? God can do some great things when we turn to him. This story of Jonah, I know because I've heard it, you know, people say, yeah, it's a great story. But that's it. It's, it's just a story. Really? Somebody is swallowed by a big fish. Here's what I have to say to that. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. Jesus' own words in Matthew 12, 40. He compares his burial and his death and his resurrection to Jonah. Jesus said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish. I'm sorry, folks, it's not just a fable. So the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus predicting his death, his burial. And he says it was just like Jonah being in this fish. You know, th th this story reminds me of recall notices. Uh, when I was a news reporter, I mean, there couldn't have been a day go by that you wouldn't get something about something being recalled. And, and you can go to, like, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, and they have a database, and, and you can look up, and you can find a whole list of things. I mean, even now, hundreds of things out there that have been recalled. I mean, food and, and vehicles, cars and trucks, toys, I mean, you name it. And somewhere we find a problem, 
a safety problem, a health problem, and it has to be recalled. And what the research shows that in many instances, consumers never respond, even if it's for their own safety. Likewise, many ignore God's recall notice to humanity. Through Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, he's given us an offer to repent, to turn back to him, to restore the broken relationship that was caused by sin. And just like the recall notices, God not only offers this free repair, it's free, you know, repair the human heart, but it's like he's going to replace it. He's going to replace it for free. It doesn't cost us anything. It costs God. It cost him his only son, Jesus. Jesus had to die so that we could receive this free heart replacement. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, on the cross. That we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. There's that heart replacement. It's by Jesus' stripes that we have been healed. And from Acts, our passage this morning, this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that Jesus was going to suffer. Repent then. Turn to God so your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you. Jesus is going to come back someday. God's going to send him again. Will we find ourselves with that change of heart to, to greet him and accept him and follow him and trust him? So here we have Jonah. Jonah is just about as low as you can get. The water had overtaken him. He, he, even write, he even wrote, seaweed wrapped around his head. He had sunk to the bottom of the sea. Jonah was just really having a bad day. Yet, God rescued him. In a most unusual way, I'll admit, but God rescued Jonah. God rescued Jonah from himself. Jonah was sinning against God because he was being disobedient. God said, go to Nineveh. Jonah says, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh. And he runs, and he tries to hide from God.
That's chapter one. Then chapter two, where we find his prayer this morning, Jonah is turning back to God in prayer. And God takes him back. What a wonderful message for each one of us. No no matter where life leads us, no matter what happens, no matter what we've done, God is there willing. And, And I picture this, you know, open arms, waiting for us to turn back to him. Folks, how many times do we try to run and hide from God? Believing that God doesn't see what I'm about to do. (laughs) Or God wants you to do something, but We think, well, I can put that off until a little later. Or we question, God certainly can't want me to do that. And so we try, it's, it's like we think if we put it out of our mind, it's done, it's over. God doesn't see it. We run, we hide. One of the things that we can learn from Jonah's prayer is that God always is. And because God always is, God is always accessible. So we need to trust him. We need to turn to him. He tells us to turn to him. Now, (laughs) I hope you never find yourself in the belly of a big fish. But if you do, God's waiting, God's listening. Whatever that place of isolation, whatever that the, the world is throwing at you, trying to get you to rebel against God. Whatever, circ- whatever storm comes along in your life and you feel like you've got seaweed around your head and you're drowning and you're being pulled down, you're questioning your faith, God says, pray to me. Our passage begins, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. Whatever it is in your life, and then also not to forget, Surely I appreciate when you bring up the blessings, right? Because even when things are going right, pray to God. Thank Him. But especially when you find yourself in the midst of having to to make a decision or you're, you're facing one of life's circumstances with health or finances, pray to God. God is first. In some ways, we might think, again, if we try to picture ourselves in the belly of a fish, 
three days, three nights, not just for three minutes. Can you imagine how the mind would start going? And you're feeling desperate. It's like, Lord, am I going to die in here? So maybe this could be a prayer of a desperate man. He could have sunken even deeper in his relationship with God. Here, here I am in this belly of a big fish and God has abandoned me, which, which we know isn't true because God always is. Um, Jonah could have further turned his back on God. A future in separation from that relationship. But Jonah realized that even in his sin, God was still close by. And folks, I know, there, there are times in our lives where God seems so distant. That's not God. That's us. God is here. God is near. We've allowed something into our lives that creates that separation that God feels so distant and far away. He is not. And Jonah's prayer, I think, teaches that. What, what, whether whether we want to believe that, okay, Jonah's sensing this desperation or not. The fact is, he turned to God, and God is there. It also preaches that God wants to restore us. He wants us to have that heart transformation, a heart transplant, if you will, right? In the seventh verse, my life was slipping away from me. And I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Do you ever feel unworthy? Undeserving? like you could never repay God for what he's done for you. You have nothing to give. The heartfelt change that we see in Jonah inside this fish is one that required him to focus on God's character, not Jonah's. That's what repentance is all about. That we would humble ourselves to take a back seat and to put God first. Submitting to his grace, his mercy, his love. God is. Jonah knows here in the 8th verse that, that he's alive only because of God's divine grace. Three days, three nights, 
He's in the belly of this fish. And he begins to close this prayer saying, those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. There's a teaching moment for us this morning. There's a question of reflection for us on this Sunday morning. What personal idols do we allow into our lives that we put ahead of God? On the surface, that might seem like a little silly of a question because we wouldn't consider ourselves looking to idols. But what about pride? You know, that, that may have been Jonah's issue here. He, he was beholden to his own pride. He didn't want to go preach in Nineveh. He was beholden to his own pride. Nobody liked them anyway. Why should I go there? Or perhaps Jonah was thinking that he deserved a better assignment. Hmm, I don't know. Whatever was going through his mind, Jonah was letting pride to get in the way, thinking that he knew better than God. That's an idol when we do that. We're putting something else before God. It could be money. It could be family. It could be popularity. It could be our time, our jobs. If we're putting it before God, it becomes an idol. And if we place those types of things before our relationship with God, then we're going to miss out on the full blessing of God. And here's what life teaches us. Those things are going to fail us. Whatever it is that we're trying to cling to, it's going to go away. It's not going to give us the fulfillment that we think it's going to give us. They're going to be temporary. They're going to fail us. They're going to, they, kind of like the fish, they're going to use us up and spit us out. And then they move on to the next person. We must make God our priority. As individual Christians, as the church, as we cast a vision, you know, what is church? What is it that God wants us to be? <laughs> to be focused on him. To, to, to make our decisions about what God wants for his church. Making God the priority. So we find a couple of other themes in, in Jonah's prayer, I think, from what we've looked at so far as well. Um, 
And if you're, some of the, the previous messages here as we've started this series, Jonah knows Scripture, and we've seen that before. And Jonah prays Scripture back to God. Verses 2 to 4. Jonah is quoting several verses here, many of them from the Psalms like Psalm 18.6. In my distress, I call up you, upon you, Lord. In verse 9, Jonah has had a change of heart, and, and he begins to praise God with thanksgiving. Haven't we heard that before as we've been looking at these prayers from the Old Testament? Again, something in common with these other prayers that we've looked at. And, and, and we should do likewise. In, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray continually. Here it is, bold face, underline, asterisk, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Jonah even tells God that he's willing to offer up a sacrifice. As we saw and studied in the Abraham movie, His Only Son, the movie about Abraham and Isaac, you know, this was God's way for Israel to make things right to offer a sacrifice for repentance, for, for disobedience, for sin, what, whatever it was they struggled with, and to get back in a right relationship with God. Folks, that was the Old Testament, but, but I think it's important for us to understand that in the context of faith, because as Jonah ends up his prayer, did you catch this phrase? Salvation comes from the Lord. Indeed it does. Paul writes in Romans that we all sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. But God makes things right with us through Jesus. If we repent and if we trust him. Jonah gives some specific testimony here of deliverance. His description of, of going to the bottom of the sea is more than just a quick, thank you God for my blessings. He pours out his soul to God. He's expressing lament, kind of like Job did, if you remember the story of Job. He's expressing some godly sorrow in his testimony. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow, or what I would call lament, it's what the book of Lamentations, you see the word lament there. 
Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Worldly sorrow brings death. To lament is to express this deep regret, uh, almost a a grief, uh, a sorrow about our sin. I believe God laments. God is sorrowful for what he sees. The scriptures instruct us to lament over our sin, to repent, to acknowledge before God that we are sinful. To acknowledge before God that that we have a desire to put him first and to turn our eyes back on him, to turn from the sin. In a way, that's what repentance is. To turn away from and to turn toward something. In this case, to turn toward God. One other scripture passage from Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. It suggests that expressing lament is one of the steps of becoming wise. You've heard me say uh, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. That, That wisdom is how we apply the knowledge that we have. And Proverbs 8.13 says, To fear the Lord is to hate evil, to hate pride, to hate arrogance, evil behavior, perverse speech, to be remorseful, to be sorry for the worldly things that we leave into our lives. That is becoming wise according to the writer of Proverbs. Sometimes that rises to a level of hopelessness. Jonah turned to God in prayer when everything seemed hopeless. He prayed when there was just no natural possibility of a rescue. And our passage ends with God commanding the fish to give up Noah, or Jonah, not Noah, Jonah. (laughs) That should be a reminder for us. The main character of the story is not Jonah. It's not the fish, it's not Nineveh. The main character here is God. The main character in any one of our stories should be God. If it's not, then we're called to repent. To turn our back on what's pulling us away so we can turn toward God. As we 
prepare for a time of communion this morning. All are welcome to participate in communion here at, at Nashville. You don't have to be a member. God wants us to repent. He wants us to remember what Jesus means to us, his life, his death, his resurrection, to lament over what we've allowed ourselves to become in this broken world.